Hey, what's up, everybody? Coming up today on Trust and Believe, we have some fun topics. One, we're going to be talking about how humor can help enhance and change your life. We're going to be talking about relationships, sobriety, and our guest is going to preach to you about how you can really trust and believe in who you are. Somebody say, oh, this is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. See, David, I just need to let you know. I gotta let you know something. I did you a favor today. Did you? I purposely wore a sweater and a long sleeve shirt because I knew if I showed my arms, if I showed, well, showed my shoulders, if I showed my abs, you would be talking about me forever. I met Sean T for the first time and he had to show his body, so I covered up for you. You know what I mean? And I, and anyway. I did not. <laughs> Let me tell you something. First of all, this is what you're right, and I'm used to friends like his. I don't know if you know this. Boris is Boris Kojo, Nick and Nick, very good friends of mine. And oh, I talk, oh, that's one of my best friends. I talk to him constantly about having his little shirt off. I'm like, we we got it, okay? We got it. You in shape? Everybody knows, right? And so like immediately. I, one of my favorite things is when I when I started watching your videos. There's one of, which I'm sure you probably don't remember because you've done so many of these. When you take off your shirt, when you're doing some crunches or something, you're like, "I'm gonna take off my shirt because it'll help me breathe better." I said, "Ain't this?" Oh, I said, my "You know what? I can breathe just fine with a sweater on." Listen, first of all, you know what you said. You said when I be watching, do you watch or do you do? I be doing. I ain't gonna okay, lie to you. Okay, all right. I, when you I be tell you doing. I be in it, when I... <laughs> we met... I think everybody needs to know this. We met on Instagram. Yes, That's how we, we became aware of one. And I mean, well, I was a fan of the of the videos. Like, I one of the best workout, you know, things that I've ever been through. And I've always... Thank I've you. been an athlete my whole life. All, I love a good challenge. That was... That was the thing that really made me go, oh... This challenges me. And then when I got on social media and my social media, you know, 
platform started to rise. And I, re- you know, I have celebrities follow me all the time. And I, nothing moved me ever. Like, oh, you know, Will Smith's following. Oh, Kevin Hart's following. Like, oh, when I saw that you followed me, I ran upstairs <laughs> to Julie. I was like, Julie! Guess who's following me? I was so out of control. She was like, "Come down," <laughs> because I don't know why I was so excited. And then, as we've gotten to know each other and talk more and more, and it really started to change my perspective about working out, the journey, the mindset, all that. Because I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. I'm a television writer. I'm a stand-up. Like. I started to, for the first time, put the words that you say in in the world of working out, and I see it the same words that I use in stand up mm. and pursuing anything that I want to do. So, like to be here now and to be able to talk with you, I'm not going to lie to you. This is fantastic. Well, thank you. I, listen, you already know. I was like, "Who is this fool?" I was. I mean, I knew who you were. I knew who you were before we met on social media, obviously. Right, right. But I, I too went to Scott, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I was like trying to explain to him who you are. I was like, "You know him? Oh my gosh, he's so funny. He does my workouts. I'm so excited." So it was. It was very much mutual. And I mean, listen. Full disclosure. You know, I don't. I know Boris, like you talked about Boris, like Boris and I have a great relationship and Nicole, oh yeah. my God, I love them, you know, but um, like for me, it really, all it, it means a lot when, you know, a brother out there like really is, is working out and not, you're not a fitness person, but you're a person yeah. out there that's like, look, I have my career and I'm committed and dedicated to my fitness because at, what a lot of people may not know, or maybe you do, is that the African-American community has a lot of, you know, health issues, if you will, you know. We and so, and out of shape. That's what we you are. Know, Some of heart us. We disease. <laughs> we like uh, pork rinds. If it ain't fried, we don't want it. <laughs> but this is how we grew up. You know, it's really important yes. for people to hear that. You know, we we don't just eat baked macaroni and cheese on no. Thanksgiving. We have it every Sunday, and we have fried <laughs> right. chicken on a Wednesday. And, you know, our collard greens don't just have collard greens. They have ham hocks. It has, you know, our mashed potatoes, neck bones. I remember when I was younger, my grandmother. Now, this is like my mom's biological mother. A lot of people know my grandmother as my mom's adopted mother. But my biological grandmother, when I would go visit her, do you want to know what a snack was? (laughs) Fat back. (laughs) That's right. And you better you know, eat it all because then nobody's standing in this kitchen all day to make this for you to right. take over it. Our mashed potatoes have heavy cream, butter. <gasps> so I say all that to say when I saw you working out and it's not your profession and you're really committed and dedicated and we'll get yeah. to how you tease the lovely Julie um, during the workouts. It, it made me happy and I was just like, this is so cool because not only is he successful, a father, a husband, um, and we'll talk about obviously all the things you've been through in your life to really get you to where place you are right now. I was just like, you know, you're the real deal, man. So thank you. I, I appreciate, it, dude. I really appreciate it. It's dope to watch somebody, you know, become one of the best of what they do, and I and I respect that. Like for me, I I I've been like honestly, I've been doing these these workouts of yours for several years. 
you know, I'll, I, I've lost weight, got fat, got small again, like literally. And then when the pandemic hit and I, I just signed a deal to do another Netflix special, right? And so I was like, I cannot get fat again because I'll do it quick. You know what I mean? Like just one bag of popcorn at a time. I'll slowly do it. And so I was like, <laughs> I've got to change my mindset about how to approach it. I think I sent you a text. I don't know if you remember this. And I said, my problem is this. I always say to myself, I don't know why I'm trying to get a six pack again because I'm going to be fat again. It's coming. Like, I always think that in my mind. I'm 52. Right? I'm not 20. I remember when I had a six pack for no reason. I didn't even earn that six pack. (laughs) I remember, like, when I was, like, all, like, a lot of people, remember I just sent you that video about all the people that be working out behind you? I said, I need to see somebody on there that's 50, that look like me, that's going to eat some cheese as soon as the workout is over. Like, I need to see somebody struggle. (laughs) But I was like, how do I get to a place where I recognize that space of the slippery slope I can feel the difference like because you know when you start to lose weight like I've never since the pandemic hit which was the top of March and I went to a I went to a a, we went to a social distance gathering and Mm -hmm. a friend of mine Tank the singer Tank came up to me he was like oh look like somebody eating all the pandemic weight getting all the pandemic weight I was like oh and that's for me that's all it takes that was Memorial Day. <laughs> and I said, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. And I, I started focusing. And that was like, and I don't know how much weight I've lost because I don't weigh myself. I can feel the difference in my clothes. Mm-hmm. And I can look at myself and go, yes, I look better, but I'm not where I want to be. So I got more to go. You know what I mean? So literally, that was the thing. And this time around, I started thinking about how do I, you know, approach this in a different mindset not just the working out but it's the mind it's the it's the mentality when I'm not working out so let me ask you a question let me ask you a question because a lot of people ask me that question but I want to hear from you what do you remember that defining moment where you were like I mean besides the rude friend that told you you were (laughs) you know you might you've been gaining a lot of weight but what was what's the thing that because there's like this one action that happens for everyone or one thought process that ha- happens for everyone where they turn the switch and that is the thing that's going to make me commit and Focus. stay focused. I think it's, for me, it's never one thing. It's a combination of things. Like that was one. You know, I'm, I, I respond to things differently than like my wife does. Julie does not respond to... You know, get your get your ass up and go to work. She don't that don't like she don't that don't do nothing for her. That shut her down. You tell me I can't, and that's all I need to hear. Like that, you tell me I'm not going to. That's all I need to hear. Like I grew up with that type of reinforcement of things. So I think it was that when when my when Tank told me oh and it was you know it was a joke. Somebody getting all the pandemic weight, and I went and I knew it though, but I already knew. And so when you hear it. Then you go, and then you, you know, like I told you, I'm 52, and I'm at that age where your friends and people around you start having these these unexpected tragedies. I had a friend have a stroke. I had another friend, you know, had a little heart attack. And I'm like, and I'm like, no, no, 
No, no. This ain't no. for me. This ain't even about no six pack no more. It's just about having a healthy lifestyle. It's about when I work out, when I when I'm in it, I think better. I went running this morning. I did three and a half miles this morning, right? <clears throat> and I'm writing this pilot for Nickelodeon, and it's this little thing that I'm trying to think about in the story. And when I need a minute, I work out because then I can think about it. And I came back from my run. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to do this instead of this." Those things fire when I'm when I'm when my body is like working out. My stand up, my everything is firing on all pistons. So it was one. It was a little bit of everything that made me go. This time, I don't want to go back. I want to maintain, and I want to keep. Stay in this area so when I need to shut it down for six weeks and like clean my eating up completely when I got a film, I'm not so far. I've been working out for six months. I my body is at the before picture. That's where I'm at right now. I done worked mm. up to the before. You know, you got the before and the after. <laughs> yeah, but you. I, I mean, but you, you, you are good now. At least from what I see, you feel. Like, it seems I've, like you. I've I've definitely got way better than I was for sure. Way better than I was. So let's talk about something because obviously now you know how to turn on that, you know, that health switch to make you push through. But, you know, you also have been sober for 23 years. So, like, let's talk about that journey because, you know, I think, you know, when you said earlier, it takes, you know, that one bag of popcorn and then another, another bag of popcorn. This is true for a lot of people. And I believe that your story about your sobriety actually goes hand in hand with that about how you need to focus to really, you know, stay the course and and keep on keeping on, as they say. That is 100 percent true. And I think that is what I was telling you when I said when I started doing this workout journey this time during the pandemic, that was something that I thought about. Like I've been sober for 23 years and I remember when I got sober then, I had been in and out twice. So this was my third time getting myself together. And what it was for me is you get tired of being tired. You get tired Mm. of starting over. You get tired of building things up and then tearing it down. You know what I mean? And you get tired of going to jail two, three days in a row. You know, it's like, okay, enough. Like I, I need to, I need to, I can't keep going to jail every other week. I got things to do. So I, like, you bring you bring humor to things that most people don't even bring humor to. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about that though. What was that like? Where you're in a space where you're like going to jail and then you're out of jail and then you're going to jail. What what was going through it's, your mind, your body, your experience? You know what it is. It's it's one of those things where you know where you come from, and you know that. You're forcibly going against the grain of how you were raised and who you are. Like, it's effort. Like, some people are raised in situations that can be very challenging, that you can sort of go, you can, you, you almost be shocked that they're not on drugs. You know what I mean? Like, mm. the, the upbringing you had, you should be comatose right now. Like, I, some people you get that from. I did not have, while I had challenges, I had examples around me that were that did not dictate that I should be living like this. I was mm. going against the grain. I had to forcibly go against the grain of how I was raising what I knew to be better to main. I wasn't no good drug addict, Sean. That's the bottom line. I was. I wasn't. I wasn't committed. I was a little lazy. 
you know, to be on drugs, you got to be committed. You got to be willing to steal all hours of the night. Stay out. I, I couldn't do all that. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I, I just got to tell. This. I just have to tell my listeners something. I normally would never <laughs> laugh at topics like this, but David is a comedian. <laughs> and if you're not watching on YouTube, you don't understand. You probably can't see his face, but this is why I'm laughing because he's a comedian. But I do love how you bring comedy to real life situations but talking about speaking of that being yeah. as though like you're like I was a bad drug addict like yes. I you know what what was it that made you come through where you're like I gotta get my shit together um you just get to a place I was <clears throat> I was in rehab third time and I was laying in the bed I went to the rehab here in Westwood I was in LA <clears throat> I just gotten here and I remember we were in this big like intake facility, so like there's a bunch of beds on each side of like imagine being in a gymnasium and it's beds massed along cots along the wall. And it was only me and one other dude across the way, several rows, de- several beds down. And he was going through withdrawals. And I remember mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, I heard him and something said to him, I said to myself, Man, I don't belong in here. And then right on the heels of that thought there was another thought that came and said see this is why you here because you think you better than mm. everybody and everything mm. and this is exactly where you belong and then after on the heels of that thought flashback to a time maybe 10 years earlier when my dad told me when I was living at home I had been out of school and I wasn't doing nothing and he said to me he said you know the only difference between you and the bum outside is that you live with me and all of these three thoughts came back to back. And then the last thought was, this is your third time here. The first time you did it because you didn't want to go to jail for the courts. The second time you did it so you wouldn't lose a girl. Mm. And now this time, there's no jail. There's no job. There's no girl. It's just David. So let me ask you something. Do you care enough about David as much as you did about that job and that girl? To try to get your get your shit together, because mm-hmm. now you only got to do it for you, and that was the moment that I said I don't want to be like this no more. I had been doing stand up for about a year. I had about ten minutes of stand up material that was good and decent enough to go out there and you know back then I can only, you only get five minutes on stage, so I had enough time, and I was like, you need to get yourself together, and if you're gonna do this. This is the time because you, you know, you 29. And that was the moment. And I made that decision and I've changed my thinking. I went and got a, a sponsor who's my same sponsor to this day, you know, and I just decided to change my life. And that's what I did. For people who don't understand about sponsors, right? Because people say, oh, you've been sober for 23 years. Why do you yeah. still need a sponsor? What is your response to them? A sponsor is not somebody that you have to talk to every day. I don't talk to Rick every day. Sometimes I talk to Rick once, twice a year now. Mm. Sometimes it depends on what we need. You know what I mean? Like a sponsor is, for me, this is what it was about. The last time before this one that I got sober, I stayed sober 18 months. And for nine of those months, I did it by myself. And they were always like, get a sponsor, get a sponsor. And I didn't know what that meant. But what I did know is I didn't like nobody telling me what to do. And I was like, I've been sober nine months. You ain't got to tell me nothing. 
I know what I'm doing. Maybe I don't need no sponsor. So I got a sponsor because I got tired of them telling me to get one. Then he started telling me what to do. I want you to read this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And I got resentful because I don't like people telling me what to do. So I wasn't doing what he told me to do. So eventually I stopped coming to meetings and stopped coming around because I hadn't been doing what he told me to do. And I disappeared and I lasted another nine months after that. Then what I realized that time was the sponsor is just somebody for you to bounce things off of. It's not somebody to tell you what to do. But it, but when I came back the third time and when I met Rick, if Rick would have told me to go outside every Sunday and stand in the rain for 30 minutes, I would have done that every Sunday as long as I had to do it because that's how bad I wanted to change my life. And you got to get there and only you can get there whenever you get there. I can't, you're going to get there in a different way than I'm going to get there. But it didn't matter. So sponsors are not there to, you know, tell you what to do. They're there to guide you. And sometimes you help them and you don't realize it. So that's the thing. Those are people that tell you, you know, why do I, why do I still need one? I need one because that's just what it is. I don't call them every day. I don't have to like, oh, I can't work unless I talk to Rick. It's not that kind of thing. You know, but if I need somebody to talk to, I can pick up the phone and call Rick. And that's what's good. Thank, yeah, thank you for explaining that because I don't think a lot of people understand, you know, just the process in general and right. the work it takes to stay committed to your life. And now you're an amazing dad, <laughs> a husband that teases his wife beyond anything I've ever seen in my life. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're going to find out why he teases his amazing wife so much. He is a great dad. And we're going to get into this comedy because the man writes comedy scripts. He writes TV shows. He's on Netflix. He works out with Sean T. So let's get to it. What is your, first and foremost, what is your, your favorite thing about your life right now? Favorite thing about my life right now is that I'm getting opportunities in every aspect of my life, especially my business, that I've been working for for 25 years that I've been doing this. The favorite thing is that, like, literally, things are working. Man, I and, thought you was going to talk about Julie. I thought well, you were going to you know, talk so about Julie. Oh, well, I thought, wait a minute, let me, let me just, I wasn't finished. And this is <laughs> Where's Julie? Is Julie around? Just, she just stepped in and was like, what about me? And I was going to say that me and my wife are also at a place where we are on, I feel like we're on autopilot now. Like we know the ins and outs. We know what it's going to be. The kids, like we we have found our groove. And that, your, when your career, your personal and your career lineup, it feels, it feels good to not be like struggling. Everywhere it, it feels good to just be. And Julie's in the room. Yeah, come. You want to see Julie? Let's. Yeah, I want to see Julie. Okay, I'm, I'm. I'm happy that we were able to get Julie. So, Julie is a major part of 
not only David's life, but in my opinion, David's brand. She's like the uh, Robin to his Batman. And I just wanted to say hello. Julie, how do you deal with this man? How do you deal with him every day? Barely. Barely. Um, actually, and this is true, working out, honestly, actually helps. Working out together actually helps. So, like, we get to see you every morning. You're a part of our journey, and you actually help me deal with this. <laughs> For real. I love it. Well, you all, you both know that when this pandemic is over, I'm coming to the house. We're going to eat that cake that David be stealing from the counter. We're going to eat it all. I know it all. I know the entire story. But thank you, Julie, for, you know, working out with me every day. And I I definitely cannot wait to meet you in person. I know. Me too. I feel the same. Have fun, guys. Thank you. I had to bring Julie in there because I just think, I just think relationships Kind of like you were, what you were saying. Obviously, your career is thriving, and that's really amazing. Yeah. But I do think, even with my relationship, like I'm Sean T, but then there's Scott, and people don't really understand how much your spouse and having a great relationship really aids in the, you know, the development and progress of your career. That's so true. Everybody, does, like I've been doing stand up, you know, for a long time. When I met Julie, I've been doing it for five years. Julie was, you know, she had her own career. She was the third African-American to dance online with the Rockettes. You know, she was their spokesperson for the whole, like, the whole 10 years she was there. She did tour with Jimmy Buffett. She hosts a TV show on uh, Made in Hollywood on ABC. She's had her own career. And to watch her transition from a working, you know, uh, dancer, Broadway dancer and actor to becoming the mom and supporting me, I saw that give and take, and I saw that balance. And like when I was doing even my social media stuff, when I was doing stuff in my stand-up, if people know my stand-up, my stand-up is all about a lot about my family and my marriage and life. And so when I started doing social media, that's a natural extension of who I am, which becomes my wife and my girls. So she, you know, she just fit right into that, and I felt it go from here to here because people really understand and I think people respond to understanding that even though I might be David everybody knows Julie like what you said it's the brand you know like for me and that's when I watch you guys and when the boys came along and I saw that and I started texting you and I was telling you I was like it's a whole nother journey <laughs> yes. it's a whole nother, and they bring a dynamic that brings out a different dynamic in y'all which is incredible, and you're right. Like, and I mean, a lot of people may not know. I know because I'm a fan, and I work. I've been doing all of these workouts, but Scott has always been right there to the left, or right, right. there behind you to the right. People, you know what I mean? So, like, you don't know what's going to happen when you act when those forces actually come together and things. That, you know, because listen, two people are always going to be better than one when they're both working towards the same common goal. Yes, talk about it. Talk yeah, about it. That's what I speaking think. Speaking of is. speaking of goals though, let's talk about your career because you know, I want people to get into the nitty-gritty of <laughs> I I personally feel like you have a brilliant mind. A lot of people look at comedians and they might say, "Oh, that person is is funny or they're entertaining." But what you do even on your social media, you know, if I can just like love on you for a second, it takes a lot of commitment, number one. Number two, 
it takes a lot of transparency. Number three, and I think this is probably the most important, it takes a lot of focus and attention and really listening to your family, to what's going on around you, to your your fans. And I I know that's what I love most about you is it's more than just being funny. You actually are doing things that create conversations in people's households. And you are able to, and I don't even know if you know this, you're able to have spouses or couples talk about things that may be tough by you making it a comedic special just between you and Julie. And a lot of people, and I brought up the thing about the cake earlier because, you know, some people don't support their spouse in their weight loss journey. Mm. But just by you talking about who stole the cake, ah, somebody did that. It gets people to talk about cake and then they're like, oh, well, we need to eat healthy. Okay, let's work together. So I just wanted to love on you like that for a second because that's one of the things I love about you most. But just talk about, you know, where do you get... I know you get your ideas from real life, but how do you come up with these amazing ideas and entertaining skits that really, I would say, empower people? You you know, it's so funny because when people ask me, every time I do a podcast or I do an interview, people will ask me the same thing. And one of the things that I always tell them is that I think that it works because none of it is staged. Unless we're doing a, a, a promo for a brand that sponsors us, Everything that we do is in the moment. Now, if you go back in my older Instagram thing, we have done some sketches and stuff. Like when we did the kids, how parents feel on the kids' first day back to school, which we did to the Wiz. You know, that that was like that. We put I put that up on Instagram at 8 o'clock in the morning here in L.A. By noon, it was on the news, the Los Angeles, the local news. And then the next thing <laughs> you know, it was all over the country on news channels. So you have moments like that that happen, but I think that people... Respond because one of the things that I get consistently is that you guys are so real. It's like we will argue on there. We will we will show the good, the bad. Because I always tell people too, like don't we we did this TV show on OWN called Black Love, right? Where they sit and they talk to a bunch of couples about relationships and yada yada. And I think Julie and I were one of the few couples on there arguing. And like I, we're we just real with ours. And I don't, by no means, am I nobody trying to put off this front like we're perfect. Our kids be out of pocket. They be talking crazy. And, you know, <laughs> and the only thing they ain't nobody seen is one of them get snatched up. But, like, for real, we are just, I think it works because my stand-up is a reflection of my life. My life is real. And I try to find humor in things, but I also think that there's something and showing the realness of things because that's what people really relate to is when you have those real moments and I can just feel them when they come in when they're about to happen here in the house I just grab my phone and turn on the camera and and my and now my kids and everybody has gotten better at when they see the camera and they're talking they know how to fall in the frame so they can be seen <laughs> and not talk over each other you know and it's just organic and that's why we developing our own reality show with Oprah on OWN now. So we'll see what happens. I love it. All right. Come on. I definitely need to come in and work you out in person on that show. Um, yes. I already told you I got something I want you to do. I already talked about that. I know. I just want to talk about the career of stand-up mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. You know, it has to be really tough even now, even though you've been doing it for years, to stand up in front of a 
group of people wanting to get a reaction of laughter because you're going after one thing. But obviously you attach to emotions, you attach to all these things. But my, my main question is, why do you think real life stories are the driving force behind the success of comedy? Um, I feel like real life stories are the driving force behind the success of comedy is because people want and need to hear what's real and see how comedians have the ability to put a comedic spin on things that may that others or the layman mind might not necessarily be able to find the humor in. Mm-hmm. You know, and like for me as a comedian the challenge becomes after a while, I was talking to somebody else about this. As a comedian, in the beginning, it's all about the laughs. You're chasing the laughs. You want the laughs. I want to make them laugh. I want to laugh. Then when you get to the point where I know how to generate laughs, I can do that. That's 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 easy. Making laughs is not like, it's like you want to get somebody, if I want you to take, if I want you to max out in four minutes, I can do it. You but can I tell you something real quick? Let me tell you something real quick. I'll be mad because sometimes I'll be trying not to laugh at you. I'll be like, I ain't going to laugh at this one. <laughs> I ain't gonna laugh and literally a half a second later I'm like damn he got me again like I'd be trying not to laugh because and that's so interesting how you're like I can do that you know like that's easy anyway continue because you know that's what we do we elicit laughter we know how to do that then as you get better and as your comedy IQ starts to rise it's not just about laughter it's also about taking you on an emotional journey so that you feel something too that you think about something and now stand up you know Dave Chappelle has taken stand up and gotten it to a place where you can laugh and then it's okay to be quiet for three minutes and just have a thought and have real conversation and then hit you with a with a joke at the end like when I made the joke about I was not a good drug addict like my last Netflix special Fat Ballerina that I did was it was it was great. I loved it, but the moment that moved people is when I talked about meeting my biological father that was on drugs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It was in the middle of the show. It was about two minutes, and it was very serious. And I did that on purpose because I want to be able to draw people in and then hit them with some jokes when they didn't see them coming. So many people emailed me about that moment in my special. 
people who had not met their fathers or parents who had been estranged from their kids. Now for me, this next special that I'm working on, my goal is to talk about my addiction, to talk about other parts of my life that are real. The, the topics become a little deeper or the, you know, the approach to them. Now, all the while, you bent over crying with laughter. But you walk away going, wow. Richard Pryor had the audacity to find humor in places that humor should not exist. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is the sign of a real comedian. And that is my goal now, is to find humor in places that would normally make us uncomfortable. I just think it's it's really cool because stand-up comedy especially with someone like you dave Chappelle. i mean there are a few of you out there that i'm like they have lost their mind um <laughs> in a good way you know it, it's become a different way to kind of interpret like a ted talk you know yeah. because now even when i watch you know tyler Perry, T- tyler perry specials medea and all that stuff yeah you know her plays i say her his yeah, plays right. or whatever you know back in the day you're watching it. They're talking about serious things. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, this is... So I walk away from that. And even comedy specials or comedy movies. And I'm, I'm like, there's some really great lessons in there. And I just think it's just like... I feel like it's such a hard thing to do. It you know? Is. That you guys make looks, you make it look so easy. That's so funny that you... Thank you. And that's so funny that you said about Tyler. When I wrote... I wrote House of Pain and Meet the Browns for Tyler Perry. I wrote those two TV shows. And I remember... You know I was on one of the episodes of House of Pain, right? You know I was in the episode of House of Pain. Were you? You must have been on one out before I came over. What season? Wait a minute. The the ones that came out right now? Or the beginning? No, years ago. Years ago. Really? I I must not have been there then. Because I did... I was... Two seasons of the show. I'll find it for you. Uh, I was a character called Mo Pex. I was a trainer and wanted. I'm not an actor though. I was horrible. I fucking I hated it. But I got (laughs) (laughs) when I got finished working at Tyler Perry Studios, and I walked away from there. The one thing that I walked away with was the knowledge that I can work harder. I've never seen a guy work as hard as this dude had, does. Mm-hmm. Like literally two TV shows were up and running at the time. He was doing a play and writing movies and like it made me go, oh, I have no excuse to not <laughs> do anything. So like now when I'm in this position where I, I'm literally developing five TV shows right now. And my manager called me on the phone. He's like, how are you going to do all this? Like you keep calling me with all these offers and opportunities how you and I said one day at a time I don't know how but I know that I've been working for 25 years to get to a place where I'm busy and I can't I legitimately don't have time I said it would it would be ridiculous of me to pass on these opportunities that this is what I've worked for my whole life so like I'm enjoying every moment of it even though I'm exhausted sometimes Wow. All right. So you have been talking about you're working on a lot of projects. Tell me about those projects. Tell me what you have coming up in a pipeline, because I want people to be able to find you in addition (laughs) to the David A. Arnold on Instagram. (laughs) Okay. so, yeah, if you if you follow me on Instagram, it's the David A. Arnold. If you David, if you Google David A. Arnold, you'll see all of this stuff. 
I am. I just signed a deal to film my second Netflix special, which will be not till probably this time next year because of the pandemic and what we're going through the climate of the country. I can't really tour like I want to. Lena Waithe and Kevin Hart are the producers of this particular project, so awesome. uh, there we we just closed that deal. I'm creating a TV show uh, for Nickelodeon for this little rapper. Uh, girl out of Houston. She's about 12 years old. Her name is That Girl Lele. She's out of Houston. She got like 1.2 million followers. Huge personality. Will Packer called me on the phone, asked me to create this show for her. I'm literally doing that for her now. I also created a show for a comedian named DC Youngfly from three uh, from 85 South and Wildin' Out. I have a show for him that I also sold to Netflix that I'm doing. I. Julie and me and the girls are developing a our own reality show over at OWN. Um, I also have a show in development with Lena Waithe based on my stand-up that she's, that she's producing. And I have an animated show that I'm writing for Anthony Anderson based on his childhood over at Apple TV. So, And then I'm currently producing a show called Side Hustle that's literally on right now on Nickelodeon. The, the thing that I want people to really get from that, this is from... A man who was in and out of recovery. Yes. 23 years sober. And that's, to me, I attach to that more. I mean, the projects are great. But I know the struggle it took for you to get here and the continued, you know, commitment and dedication to your life, to your family, to your career yeah. while having that as a part of your past. Like, that's what I want people to really listen to because there are a lot of people out there right now who have been through so much stuff and they don't feel like they have what it takes to succeed. And I'm like listening to you. I'm like almost emotional. Sean, calm down. Like, I, I mean, I, to tell myself to calm down only because, I mean, you know, I know what it's like to go through heavy struggle as well. And I, I still know the daily thoughts that come to my mind that kind of creep in from my past. Right. And I have to continue to trust and believe in myself. For people out there who may have gone through something tough in the past and they're stuck and they're letting their past really be the continued driving force in their life and they can't get to the place where they can find success, you know, how would you define, you know, trusting and believing in themselves? Um, you know, I feel like the way to push through that struggle and believe is it takes something, faith is something that comes from something you can't see. You have to believe that it's there. You have to trust and believe that you were not brought here to struggle. You were not brought here to be less than. You were not brought here to fall short. And even though we all go through trials and tribulations, we go through ups and downs, we go through setbacks, we go through failures. I tell people this all the time. In my st- I teach one of the largest stand-up comedy classes in the country. And I tell all the aspiring comedians this. I go, anything that you're trying to do, there's always going to be obstacles in the way. There's supposed to be obstacles in the way. The only place that's not an obstacle is if you want to work at the fast food restaurant the rest of your life. Ain't no obstacle. You know what I mean? Some things there's no obstacle. If you want to, you know, not, if you want to not, you know, push beyond, there's no obstacle to be average. 
to just wake up and just take whatever's given to you, there mm. are no obstacles. But if you want to be better than, if you want to go to a place that only few go to, there's always going to be obstacles. And obstacles are there for one reason, to weed out the weak. That's what they're there for. They're to get rid of the people who say they want it, but they don't have what it takes to push through and do it. And so like every sing- in my gym here in my house, I put a, a the decal up that says, be stronger than your excuses. So mm. I can remember that every day when I walk in there to go work out. So I can remember that when I sit down here to write. I remember that when I got on stage and got booed in front of thousands of people. And I didn't want to go back. And I remember that these things happen to see how bad you want it. So you got to know that no matter what you're going through, I remember catching the bus. When I came here to L.A., I had two trash bags full of clothes, no car, three addresses to three comedy clubs, and ten minutes of stand-up. And and about two, three, two months of sobriety. And the only thing I wanted was to be a comedian and have a chance to prove that I belong out here with the rest of everybody else. And I caught the bus and I walked and I sat outside the Laugh Factory and the Comedy Store and the Improv for three, four, five hours waiting just to sign up to get on the stage to do two minutes. Mm. I did all of this because I wanted it because there was something inside of me that didn't want to just be average. I didn't never, one of the things I never wanted to do in my life is to look back in my life and go, I wish I had tried. I wish I had just did. I don't want to do that. And my daughters, they're 15 and 13, Anna Grace and Ashlyn. And the only thing I want for them, if they don't get nothing else from me, I want to make sure that I've shown them the example of what a man who never quits, a person who never quits looks like. Who drives and keeps working every single... And they don't even understand half the stuff I'm... They just know I'm in this office with the door closed all day sometimes. They have no idea. And that's it, man. If you out there and you're struggling, you just got to know that all this... It's necessary. Nobody that you look up to, nobody that you hear from, nobody that you believe in or that has inspired you has not sat where you sit. They've not, not failed. That's why I love autobiographies. That's the books I read because I love to hear about the struggle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I look at you and I see the brand you've created, one of the things that I do know is that there was several failures that led to this moment. And people don't get that. Michael Jordan says that that commercial that he had out, I've missed over 4,000 shots. I've been asked to take the game winning shot. I failed time and time again. And that is why I succeed. And people need to know that. It's through failure that breeds success. And that's the the only thing I can tell people. No matter how bad it seems, you've got to find a way to reach down inside of you and believe. And always trust and believe in trust, who you like are. Like my shirt says, believer. Believe. <laughs>